Hey guys, welcome back to the OG of the HRC way, news they ain't telling you. Let's get right back into some quick news stories. So when this airs, inauguration will be wrapped up. We will have a brand new president, a brand new vice president, woman vice president on top of that, a brand new cabinet, brand new Congress will be ready to go. Um, at inauguration, Lady Gaga, J-Lo, Garth Brooks, which he's getting a lot of flack because apparently he's a Republican and he came out and said he wants to uh, sing at the inauguration because he wants to, his exact words and exact movements, togetherness in his Garth Brooks way. Um, so we'll see what happens there. It'll be a lot of fun, I'm sure. Um, today, because today is the day before, just so you guys know. Um, today, Biden left Delaware um, and gave a brief speech in front of the train station that is now named after his son because, of course, Biden, when he was a senator, used to go back and forth between Delaware and D.C. to be home for his children. So that was a bit emotional for him. But um, inauguration, I can't believe. In some ways, it feels like just yesterday Trump became president and it was his inauguration. And I was crying hysterically, and now it feels like here we are. We're on the other side. So in some ways, it was fast. some ways, it was terrifyingly slow. So we made it, you guys. Point is, we made it to the other side. So good always outweighs evil. Just sometimes it takes some time, like Star Wars. Okay, so next up, I want to explain this to you guys because there's a lot of confusion going on. Senate leaders are close to a power-sharing agreement um, Democrats are in charge of the schedule, so Schumer will be in charge of what makes it onto the floor and what doesn't, but both sides will hold an equal number of seats on the Senate committees. Now, why this is, is because Chuck Schumer didn't do his job thoroughly. We only hold control by the vice president's seat. You take that away, we're at a 50-50, Right. So that's why we there has to be a power-sharing agreement. Um, technically, Chuck Schumer is the majority leader, but again, only because of that VP vote. Now, to me, all Chuck Schumer had to do was win in Maine, win in Kansas, win a seat in Texas. We wouldn't be having these conversations. We wouldn't have him to be sharing our committee seats. So when you share the committee seats, that basically means that handful of Republicans will chair um, different committees, handful of Democrats will chair different committees. They will make an arrangement on which side gets what. So I know for sure that we will keep the Judiciary Committee. I know that's important to Chuck Schumer. And I believe the Intel Committee is another one that's important to Chuck Schumer. So um, beyond that, people need to understand that, yes, it's great. We have Georgia. Yes, it's great that we technically have control by one. But people need to also remember that in many ways, this keeps Kamala Harris vice president-elect uh, at in Washington, D.C. a lot more than probably most vice presidents because she can't miss a vote. Um, if he has the votes and he's one vote shy, he needs vice president Kamala Harris to come in. So it's very interesting times. And to me, I think that the bigger story should be Chuck Schumer is just not that good at his job. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Okay. Um, so today... Uh, is pardoning day, Trump's last official day in the White House. There is rumors that he's going to pardon up to 100 people. We'll know by the end of the day where that lands. Probably we're looking at family members. 
I don't know if he's going to pardon himself because people need to understand something. When you get pardoned by the president, presidential pardon, the fifth, the, the, the you know, um, plead the fifth no longer applies to you because you can't get in trouble for what you've done, but you have to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth and you can't plead the fifth. So his children wouldn't be able to plead the fifth. Rudy Giuliani wouldn't be able to plead the fifth. He wouldn't be able to plead the fifth. And just remember that if you get pardoned, it's just a federal pardoning. It doesn't apply to state issues. Donald Trump Jr. is under investigation in Washington, D.C. Um, Trump, of course, and his family is under investigation in New York. Ivanka is in New York. So this is going to be very interesting, but look out for some names um, like Lil Wayne, pretty sure he's going to pardon Lil Wayne and that's not a joke. I'm being dead serious. Um, who else? Probably the Mr. Pillow guy now that he seems to have gotten himself into some trouble. So weird, weird names, but we'll see that the Trump saga will continue outside of the White House, thankfully. Okay. Um, Parler is back online. It's running servers through Russia. Yes, I'm saying that correctly. They are running their servers through Russia. And Parler, also, everyone keep in mind, they ask for your driver's license, a picture of your driver's license when you go on Parler. I don't know any other social media network that needs my driver's license. But if they need my driver's license, I would be like, I'm good. I don't need to be on Parler. Airbnb, 100%. You need to verify who I am. But they have driver's license photos. They have servers that are now running through Russia because they couldn't get a server here in America to... Uh, let them go back online, but they are officially back online. So you parlor watchers, if you're watching me, I don't know why you'd be watching me because I don't, yeah, but, uh, good luck with that. Um, okay. So 200 NYPD are heading to Washington DC to help. I always want to say this, that, um, <clears throat> I always want to say NYPD blue every time I didn't even watch the show, but I want to say NYPD blue every single time. Anyways, um, they're volunteering these guys and men and women, I'm sure, and I just want to say, I know that there has been a lot of noise about the National Guard and the FBI looking into them to making sure an internal investigation to make sure they're not going to turn on the pre Okay, I understand that. But like, majority of these people are, are good men and women. And the bad ones always ruin it, right? If there's a, a bag, a, bad egg in the basket, it's going to ruin the rest of them. So just keep that in mind and be careful what you're saying because, you know, for the most part, they're doing their job. Um, just like the Capitol Police, most of them were doing their job. Um, we've seen many, many photos and many, many videos of them trying to stop them. And we've also seen videos, I know, of them just like letting them into the Capitol and letting them hang out and all of that jazz. I get that, but they're not all bad. So let's just kind of keep that in mind, guys. Um, Hillary Clinton had Nancy Pelosi on her podcast, You and Me Both. It was absolutely positively phenomenal. It was like two old friends catching up, but talking about like real world issues and, and the problems of the world and thank God for them both. So you make, make sure and check that out. Definitely. It's, it's a great, Hillary's podcast is a lot of fun because she's totally, totally herself and she laughs and she has fun and she asks great questions and having Nancy Pelosi on there was just, it was a really great time. So I, I highly recommend they talk in great detail about what happened on January 6th and what Pelosi was worried about and how her staff is doing and how she's doing and all sorts of great things. Pelosi even talks about being pro-choice, which is not a topic she really talks about, but she talks in great detail. So it's, it's a great podcast. 
Um, so Melania is officially leaving the White House with a 47% approval rating. Michelle Obama had a 69% approval rating. And Laura Bush had a 67 approval rating. <laughs> so she's leaving with a 47, which I want to say, who is the 47% that thinks she's done anything that is approval? I mean, making a tennis court and ruining the Rose Garden, I wasn't aware. And be best, I wasn't aware that those were whatever. But I'm going to actually get into it later. Um, the Biden's first round of cabinet members are going to appear before Congress uh, today to get, you know, heard and they ask questions and all of that stuff um all five of them who are being heard today are from the obama administration had worked with obama in some way so um i don't think that there'll be any problems getting confirmed any of them um let's see uh georgia has officially certified its senate results meaning that we have two bright and shiny new senators from georgia who will be heading our way and helping us out in the senate um and then I just wanted to say this, that Trump's final approval rating was 30, 30, yeah, yeah, 37%. Uh, he, is one of, he is the only president to never have an approval rating of 50% or higher at any point in his run. He's the only president ever. He is leaving a deficit of $3.3 trillion, with a T, trillion. When he walked in, we were at $587 billion. Now, I know some of this deficit has to do with COVID. I'm not naive to that. However, $3.3 trillion, I, I can't help but think that maybe possibly that has to do with those massive ta tax cuts um, and not pulling us out of wars. You can't, you can't be in a war of any kind while you're giving tax cuts. Um, but I guess no one learned their lesson on that. And last but not least in quick news... By the time you guys see this, we will officially be able to say, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris. And to all my ladies out there and all the little girls watching, this is mighty important. And enjoy the hell out of tomorrow, guys. Let's get on to the big news. All right. So the first story that we're going to talk about is what I'm calling whiteboard, port whiteboard porters, white lies. That like really sort of rhymes there. Um, Congresswoman Katie Porter, you guys all know her for being the whiteboard and the financial committee and sort of like taking to task these big CEOs and it's great and it's fabulous. And I love how she like breaks it down so easy. And she's like, this was the salary of your bank teller. And this is what it takes for rent. And this is what it takes. They have $5 left over and you got your bonus and like fabulous. Great. She is a Congresswoman here in Orange County. She was one who flipped a seat in 2018. She's technically not part of the squad, but she's like, you know, she's she's very active. I will say this. However, this has been going on. So there's this biz, this whole movement. Congresswoman Porter decided to put her priority with the oversight and natural resources and put the financial committee on third. This is what this means. When you are a congressperson, you get to say, I want this committee to be my number one priority, this committee to be my number two priority, and this committee to be my number three. You do that yourself. Pelosi, as Speaker of the House, decides, okay, I'm going to honor this, this, and this, what they're asking. And, you know, so because she is on the Oversight and Natural Resources Committee, she put oversight as number one, natural resources as number two. This is very important to know. The Financial Committee is an exclusive or what they call an A-panel committee, meaning 
you cannot be a ranking member of any other committee over the financial committee. It ha that has to be your one and only priority because it's such an important committee. There is an exclusive tag to it, an A panel is what they call it on the Hill. So she, what she tried to do was she tried to go around and convince party leaders to get rid of that A panel tag so that she could be on all three committees, even though she personally had said oversight, natural resources are my number one and my number two. Financial is number three. She herself did not put financial committee as her number one committee. And I believe the reason she did that was because that has to be your, your priority and you can't rank in any other committee otherwise. So that's why she did that, because now she can rank in two committees instead of just one. However, she went around and she tried to talk to party leaders. Here's the problem. She did not tell the committee chair, uh, the financial committee chair, what she was doing. That financial committee chair is Maxine Waters. Auntie Maxine, as some of y'all like to call her. She was not pleased. Now, here's where the issue is. She was told, no, you can't be on the financial committee because you said you wanted to be an oversight and natural resource. You knew the financial was an A panel an exclusive. You made that choice. And instead of just saying, okay, all right, she didn't go to her committee chair and say, hey, can we work something out? She, which Maxine Waters would have said no, because if she does it for her, they would have had it done it for everyone. And that committee is an A panel. It's extremely important committee. As we know from her whiteboard incidents or, or, or fun extravaganzas. So the fact she went to people around Maxine Waters and said, no, 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 let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. They said, no. She goes, let me in, no, let me in, no. And then when the whole story broke and people on Twitter started to attack Pelosi, Maxine Waters, instead of Katie Porter came out and saying, hey guys, sorry, I, I chose to be on oversight and natural resources with financial as my number three, knowing that it was an, you know, an A panel. No, she came out with a statement and she said, well, I chose, guys, I chose to be on, on the oversight and the natural resources. And my hope was that I could convince them to get special leeway to be on financial. So I'm sorry, but like, who do you think you are that you have special? There's a reason why this committee is a panel. There's a reason. It is an extremely important panel. So not only does she do that, but she doesn't even go to the woman she's supposed to go to. She goes around her. Why would she do that? Your committee chair is everything. Your committee chair is the whole enchilada. If you want to do something in the committee, you go through your committee chair. It's just a manner of respect. Both sides do this. You're not supposed to go over your committee chair. So the fact that this story turned into a, oh, poor, you know, Katie Porter. I even saw Lawrence O'Donnell, who I can't stand, by the way. Sorry, but I cannot stand him. I think he's an elitist. Blech. Okay. However, he said, oh, Katie Porter is off of the financial committee and this was kicked off the financial committee and this is a problem. Now, Lawrence, you wrote for the West Wing. You worked in a White House. You know how these committee work. Like, don't make it seem like she was kicked off anywhere. So to me, whiteboard Katie Porter was not kicked off. She chose. She chose oversight and natural resources. An oversight committee is an extremely important committee as well. But she chose to have two committees over being able to be a ranking member on just one. That was her decision. And instead of accepting her decision, 
she tried to find her way around it and not the correct way. So that is an issue, and I want to make sure that everyone has an understanding of what actually happened. This is not me protecting Maxine Waters. This is not me protecting Nancy Pelosi. This is me looking at the facts and saying, this is what you decided, sweetie. So you can't go back now. You thought that they were just going to give it to you because you're the infamous whiteboard Katie Porter. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. So that's what happened with whiteboard Katie Porter. And if you guys have any other questions, you can tweet me, which I'm sure some of you guys will because y'all love her. And it's not me saying I don't like her by any means. I'm just saying there, you, she knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. And she chose to still go around around the back way and didn't go to Auntie Maxine and say like, hey, is this possible? It wouldn't have been possible. She's not going to bend for anyone. But, and there's a reason for that. So that's whiteboard Katie Porter. Okay, so next in line, we've got the Keystone Pipeline is going to be reversed. Simple as that. Joe Biden has announced that he will be canceling the Keystone Pipeline Pretty much day one, it's going to be one of his big executive orders. Um, as you guys remember, Obama blocked the Keystone Pipeline from being made in 2015. Trump then turned around in 2017 and approved it. Um, this pipeline runs from Canada, Montana, and North Dakota. It the oil, the actual oil, lands in Oklahoma. Um, environmentalists have been against P Keystone since day one. This Keystone pipeline has been years and years and years in the making um, between Canada and ourselves. There's massive potential for oil spills, earthquakes. It can ruin water supplies. There's several Native American tribes whose water supply run through the actual pipeline. So that was the big ordeal. Hundreds of Native Americans were arrested in protest in the North Dakota area because they simply said, this is our only source of water. We live on a reservation. What's going on? If you ruin this water, we're ruined. Um, the tribes were also very deeply concerned about health risk because where this pipeline went through, went right through the reservations. They already have to deal with a lot on these reservations. So they were very concerned with health issues. Um, the public opinion over the Keystone Pipeline has ranged over the years. In 2013, 65% of Americans favored it, 30% opposed it. And then in 2017, after Trump pushed it through, 42% only favored it and 48% opposed it. So they believe that it's um, leaked more oil since it's been open since 2017 than they're claiming much more is what experts are saying. So we don't really know and we won't know, I guess, until Biden sends a team. I'm guessing that's what he's going to do to go in um, because that's the overall issue is now we have to see what since 2017, what effects it's had in oil and, and, and anything in the in the air, all of it. So um, I don't know what they're going to do to replace it. They've tried at least 10 different ways to get this pipeline done over the last 10 years, really. And nothing really seems to work or make environmentalists and the country happy. So um, I don't know. So he's going to block it and cancel it. But I don't know what step two is going to look like for him. He's only said what step one is. And that's a step in the right direction, if you ask me. But um, but again, how much damage have we done to Native American and their land and their tribes and uh, 
you know, over and over and over again, I guess. So we will see. But I thought that was important for you guys to know that Biden is in day one on top of he's going to apparently join the Paris Peace Accord again. Um, He's going to um, what else did he say he was going to do in the very first day? Oh, the Muslim ban will be lifted. Um, He's doing that like same day as inauguration, very first day in. So um, those are big things that I know that he's going to do in day one because those are all executive orders and those are easy to to overturn. So I'm sure in the next coming weeks he's going to have even more of Trump's executive orders um, that he's going to definitely over oversee. So, um, yeah, so that is Keystone Pipeline, and I'll keep you guys updated as that grows. Okay, so let's talk about the vaccine rollout. Am I the only one when I hear the word rollout? I think of ludicrous rollout. Yeah, I guess I'm showing my age. Um, okay, so most this is the the blunt truth, you guys. Most states are deeply, deeply struggling with this vaccine rollout. Um, the three leading states on vaccine rollout is West Virginia, North and South Dakota. They're totally, completely leading the way. Um, Trump's goal. <laughs> was 20 million people vaccinated. Uh, Yeah, he missed that by a massive, massive amount. We don't even have a million Americans vaccinated right now. We, as of the the latest feed, we only have 150,000 Americans are fully vaccinated. Now, I understand that the vaccine comes in two doses. So full, you have to wait. I think it's like a two-week period before you get the second vaccine. But still... Uh, we've had these vaccines since December, and here we are mid-January, and we're not even at a million. So um, I understand that the vaccines must be kept cold and have very, a very, very short self, uh, life, shelf life. So I understand all of that. However, I, I think that this breaks down to many things. Um, there was no federal plan by Trump, shockingly. I know, right? There was no federal plan to guide the states. Now, each state has a right to do their own plan, their own idea, because the state's rights. And each governor can do what they want. They're like a, a president of, you know, we have 50 presidents of each state, basically. But since there was no federal plan saying this is how we think it should be done, it was sort of a maj podge. I remember at one point Trump was like talking, I think, about National Guard giving the vaccines out or something, and then that never happened, just like his health care plan that we never saw. So um, that's the number one issue. So Biden has announced that he is going to ask FEMA to set up clinics across the country to get these vaccines out, like to just go, go. We have them. Let's go. Um, so he wants to open up the vaccines to people 65 and older instead of, I believe now it's like 75 and older. So he wants to open that age range. And he wants to get teachers and school officials to get these kids back in school. That's his big priority. So um, also we're dealing with a simple refusal by many people, like 60% in some states who are able to get vaccines are saying, I don't want the vaccine. So that's an issue. That is a massive, massive issue. Now, each state is being ran different, like I said, because there is no federal plan. There is no federal guidelines. Um, so, you know, Biden's going to have to come in and I've said this to you guys a couple times, everything else is going to have to be on the back burner until we get COVID under control. And there has to be an instant federal setup that is going to guide these states to get the vaccines out. 
Um, so I think me personally, I think like older celebrities, athletes, etc., people who are known in the public who are over 65 should be getting vaccines publicly. That's just my thought because people feel very, very nervous. But if they see someone like, um, you know, Michael Jordan, he's not in the age range, but I'm just giving him as an example. If they saw Michael Jordan getting a vaccine, some people would feel better about it. Especially, I know there are a lot of of black people who feel very nervous about a vaccine that's turned over this quickly because of what they've experienced, their their people has experienced in America where we were giving vaccines that were not really vaccines and they were making them sick and giving them all sorts of crazy disease, like crazy stuff. Um, so I understand that, but we are, we, we have to get people vaccinated in this country. When you're looking at these numbers and I have some of the numbers. So like, let me just tell you, West Virginia is number one. They, are, they have a, hundred, a little over 160,000 vaccines were given to that state alone. They've already administered 118,000. Great. That sounds like a great number, right? You don't, percentage is 73% of people who qualify have been given a vaccine. That's a great number. Well, let me tell you to the worst in the country, which is Alabama, good old Alabama, <laughs> uh, Alabama has been given four, over 435,000 vaccines. They've only given out 92,000. That means that only 21% of their state is vaccinated. Okay, let's look at California, which is population-wise the largest. Here we go, Gavin Newsom. I'm looking at you. Over 3.5 million vaccines were given to the state. Not even a million vaccines have been given out. Okay, only 27% of eligible people are vaccinated in California, a state that is the entire economy for the country, a state that needs to reopen desperately. We have Hollywood here. We have farmers here. We have Silicon Valley here. And we've only given out 27% of vaccines. That is an unacceptable number, Gavin Newsom. Okay, these little states I'm looking at, um, let's look at Georgia. Okay, over a million vaccines have been given from the federal government to them. Only 231,000 vaccines have been dosed out. 22% of people who qualify are getting vaccines. So where's the breakdown happening here? I, I don't understand. You know, we have Republican governors. We have Democratic governors. California is a Democratic governor. Um, and they're struggling. There is only, let me look at this, guys. There is only one, two, three, four, five states out of 50 that are over the 50% marker. West Virginia, North Dakota, South Dakota, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. And Texas is at 49%. Texas has been given over 2 million doses, and they've given out a million doses, which is a reasonable number, okay? But the rest of this, I mean, the fact that California is, let's see what number they are here. I saw them. California is 46th out of the nation for giving a, having a vaccine plan. 46th. I, I'm not saying that California is an important state because I'm born and bred here. I'm saying California is an important state because California pays for all y'all bills. Even you red states where you can't stand us. So if we can't pay y'all bills, what's going to happen here? This state is on extreme lockdown, and people are going out of their mind. 
And he has these vaccines doing what with no plan in place? Most of the mayors in this town, most of the mayors in this town are Democrats. Our entire state legislation is Democrats. Our senators are Democrats. So what's going on here, California? What's going on here? Virginia, Georgia, Alabama, Idaho. Idaho? You've got like 20 people in your state and you can't distribute these vaccines? My parents live in Idaho. What are we talking about here? Alaska? You're 44th? Alaska. Really? So we have a problem. We have a problem. And I'm looking at some of these states. The, the top three states are led by Republicans, guys. And if we're talking in terms of voting, th- this isn't going to help us. When they're up and running and these small states are up and running and Democrat states are not, we're going to have a problem because a lot of these Democrat states bring in the money for the rest of the country. And our economy can't move forward until people are allowed to go outside of their home. And we all need to go outside of our home. Here in California, we are going crazy. Crazy. You know, it's like we can't do anything here. Anything. We can't go to the hair salon. We can't go unless you like know someone who's backdoor, which is like what I'm doing. No shame in my game. Okay. I'm being very, very safe and very, very smart about it. But my hair salon, my girl needs to make money the same way that everyone else does. So like get on it. Get on it. You all knew, all you governors knew that you were not going to get help from Donald Trump. You knew from the get-go. You knew that it wasn't going to happen. So when we got these vaccines, you should have taken it upon yourself to show what a leader you were. And most of you all are failing. Most of you all are failing, and it's, and it's devastating. You can't, you can't blame all of this on Donald Trump. You can't. I know we like to, but you just can't. So Gavin Newsom and rest, get your business together, guys. Because the country is is relying on you. And and Joe Biden's not going to be able to fix all this either. So get your stuff together, guys. This is unacceptable. Okay, so I've been thinking sort of long and hard at what is actually going to be the legacy of the Trump administration Trump presidency. What it, what is it going to be? Is it going to be the the separating children at the border? Is it going to be having Mexico pay for a wall that never happened? And then when he had the military pay for the wall, it was this chintzy wall. Is it going to be his tax cuts for the rich? Is, is it, what is his legacy going to be? Is it going to be the tweets? Uh, what is it going to be? And all I kept thinking long and long and hard about it. And then all of a sudden, this picture popped up on my Twitter feed, and I thought, you know what? This is the epitome of the legacy of the Trump administration. This right here. You can't get much more wackadoo. This is what happened to America. This is what we allowed to happen to America for four solid years. This is it right here. Kimberly Guilfoy and her the best is yet to come dating her coke fueled boyfriend Donald Trump Jr. and these domestic terrorists trying to take over the United States Capitol. This is what the legacy is. This is what the history books will talk about. This is what Trump is leaving tomorrow. All that filth and disgust behind. You can't you can't wrap it up much better than this simple picture of Kimberly Guilfoy who Ooh, child, you need a lot of help. Uh, The best is yet to come, right, Kimberly? 
Yes, folks, it actually is. The best is yet to come to save us from all of this. Daily Descent with OG of the HRC. So I thought that today I wanted to talk about the one and only Melania Trump. And the reason I wanted to talk about her is she gave a speech the other day saying goodbye or whatever it was. I don't really know. Saying it was the honor of her life to serve and, you know, uh, no violence and, you know, the whole, whole spiel thing. And I just thought to myself, what the hell am I, what am I watching right now? What is this? I mean, in the beginning, I have to be honest, when she, when when they first entered the White House, I was very forgiving to her. And I was very much, I almost felt sorry for her. I thought, oh my God, could you imagine being married to this guy and you're stuck in this situation and you don't know what being a first lady is because you're not from here. And she clearly is someone who married a rich man to get out of a, you know, corrupt country um, to bring her family over, to bring her mother, her father, her sister, all of them over. And uh, you know what? No judgment. No judgment whatsoever on that situation. However, I don't. I always kept saying, I don't think she signed up for this, for the political life, for the all that, you know. Um, she has this young boy at the time, Baron, who there was questions on whether he was autistic or, you know, I don't like to speak on him because he still is a kid and he has nothing to do with the situation. But there was definitely something a little bit interesting about him. And I thought, okay, she's a mama bear. She wants to protect her kid. She's going to like stay with him for the sake of whatever. But I'm sure she'll find her own way. I'm sure she'll do something extravagant, sort of like what Laura Bush did after W. Bush's debacle of war and all that. Laura Bush really found a way to still be loved by the nation and to still do something that was productive. I mean, it was hypocritical what Laura Bush did because she was teaching young Afghan girls how to read while her husband was bombing the country. <laughs> but, you know, people, we still liked her. We, there was something about her. Um... And it never, each day would pass and it never happened with Melania. Never. She never had a moment of like, oh, okay, this is what she's fighting for. Okay, she came out with her Be Best campaign and her anti-cyberbullying campaign, which was hypocrisy beyond considering that her husband was daily sending out tweets. Um, She had a little bit of a thing with like vaping. She was obsessed with like getting vaping out of the kids' hands. But there was never anything there. And I always thought, well, her outfits are great and she knows how to dress herself. And I thought, well, if I had $10,000 for an outfit, I would be, you know, looking like that too. Um, I think there's something about her that's very pretty, you know. But again, money can do that because she didn't look like that when she first arrived into America. And no judgment on that. I don't care about any of that. But My final straw of when I said, okay, excuses are off the table now was when she wore the now infamous, I really don't care jacket as she was heading onto a plane to go see children who'd been separated from their parents and this whole controversy was around it. And when she was, you know, they brought it up to her, she said, well, I wore it for the media. The media is who I wore it for. So she was aware that she had it on. It's not like she wasn't aware that that was on. And, you know, I just think to myself, you're just at that point, I realized you're just as evil as the man that you married. 
There is no sadness. There is no forgiveness. There is no none of that. You you understand what he's doing. You understand what he's capable of. She was part of the birther movement. She was on the Joey Behar show in 2009, I believe, like plugging her cheap ass, you know, jewelry or whatever. And she was doubling down on the whole birther that Obama wasn't born in America, which is what Trump was obsessed with for years and years and years and probably still is. I mean, I don't know. But I mean, there is there's nothing to her except for what she's been told she should be. And there's nothing, there's no, I know someone who actually knows her son in a weird sort of way and was very complimentary, and and this person is a Democrat and all of that, but was very complimentary to Melania as a mom, and I'm sure she's, she's a great mom. But I look at her as a human being, and to not find some sort of clever way to distance herself from her husband and sort of become her own woman and sort of find a really clever way, which there's very clever ways in politics, to not be associated with his craziness and his antics, um, she never did that. And I don't think she wanted to. I I don't think she likes her husband. That's for sure. We've all seen the infamous slapping of the hand one too many times. It's very clear. And there's definitely fake Melania's going on. That's not some conspiracy theory. That is like, she doesn't want to be with him more than she has to be. That's why she always has those big sunglasses on. And I'm like, oh, that nose is different. Um, However, her as a person, do I think she's going to divorce him? Absolutely. She's going to divorce him and get the hell out of there. She's got the money because she has the kid with him and all of that. But I think that she went along with this ride and she just never found that way. Betty Ford was able to find a way to be pro-choice with a Republican husband in a very controversial time of Roe v. Wade. You know, Betty Ford was able to fight for the Equal Rights Amendment, even though her husband wasn't the biggest fan. You know, Laura Bush, like I said, was able to find her way, even though her husband's popularity rating sometimes was in the, like, late, you know, late 30s. Hers were always, like, 60, 65, you know, 50, 55. They were always up there because she was able to distance herself and find her own voice and find her own way. You know, Melania's people always complain. I don't know who her people are because they all left her now, but... They used to complain that she didn't get the first first lady to not get the Vogue cover, the first first lady to not go to Sesame Street. I mean, y'all really think about this. Sesame Street is not partisan in any way. It's just about educating children. And the woman didn't even get invited to Sesame Street. That's how bad she is. I mean, Laura Bush got to go to Sesame Street in the middle of these lies of a war, you know? And I just think to myself, like, wow, we have spent four years with no real president and no real first lady. And that, to me, is like the legacy is what? That she wrecked Jackie Kennedy's Rose Garden to make it look sterile. And thank God Dr. Biden is going to put it back together, which how much money is that going to cost the American public? And she built a tennis court that she never used. There's no way that she or her her son or definitely not Donald ever used. And she had a body double and she had be best. And how sad is that that 
we sort of didn't have anyone to sort of hold on to from this administration. No one. They're they're all leaving and we're all counting down the moments and the seconds until they're gone. And, you know, so I don't I don't excuse Melania. I don't excuse her. I did in the beginning. I gave her a lot of leeway and I gave her a lot of you know, it took me a few months, but once she wore that jacket, that to me was the final moment where I realized, no, she knows what she's doing. She knows exactly what she's doing. And it wasn't random. And it wasn't towards the media. She really doesn't care. She doesn't care at all. She's lived this fabulous life. Her parents are now American citizens. She can, you know, now she can go and do whatever she wants to go do. So, you know, Melania Trump, you are leaving us. And I say, thank God. Go to Mar-a-Lago and go wherever you need to go. Divorce your husband. I don't really care. I don't need to hear from you now. Please don't write an autobiography about your time in the White House. You're the one first lady. I don't ever want to read anything about your time in the White House because it was all lies and garbage. So there's my daily descent, folks. All right, guys. Until next time, the OG of the HRC signing out.